the early Christian community was so perfect, right? They're gathering together, they're selling their property, they're giving it to people who have less, they're coming together for prayers and breaking of the bread, and it doesn't actually last that long. Several chapters later in the Acts of the Apostles, we see already disputes, arguments, complaints start arising, and the apostles have to kind of come in and regulate that. This, this tends to be a reoccurring cycle. We even see it a little bit later in the letter to the Corinthians where St. Paul is chastising them for coming together. They're supposed to be coming together to, to pray the breaking of the bread. And what ends up happening, he says, well, some, of, some people are going hungry and some people are going drunk. You have your own homes to eat and drink in, but when you're coming together, this is a time for prayer. I think one of the things we, we see and has happened since the very beginning is we kind of try to put everything together. And the apostles keep taking stuff apart and say, no, you have your, you have your fellowship, your communal life, your, your uh, community, and, and then you have liturgy, worship. So there's some parts that come together. There's some parts that make sense that we, we do together. And there's some parts that, that aren't meant to be together. And if we don't understand what's actually happening in the liturgy, then we tend to do that. We tend to put in things that are just of our own making, our own construction, uh, our, our own doing. So instead of the liturgy divinizing us, we end up humanizing the liturgy with our own creative inspiration. But that's not what we want to do. We want to actually dive deeper into the symbolism and ritual of the liturgy so that we can understand and get its full import so that it can do what it's meant to do, transform us into Christ. So, you know, I'm always trying to, to, to show us different ways in which we, we can enter more deeply into the liturgy and the different symbolism. And one of, the, one of the symbolisms that I want to talk about today is the very symbol of the resurrection. So here we are, the active day of Easter, still Easter Sunday. We keep celebrating it for eight whole days, and then the Easter season continues on for longer than Lent was. And it's because Easter Sunday, the resurrection, is the day of days. Every other Sunday is a holy day of obligation because Jesus rose from the grave on a Sunday. That's it. But even more than that, every single Mass celebrates the resurrection. We can, we can in, in its worst uh, understanding of it, we can dumb it down to a memorial meal. Yeah, we come together to break bread together, to have a meal together. But this is exactly what we see in the early scriptures us getting away from. No, 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 that's not, that's not the point. It's not the point. This is not just fellowship. This is not just communal meal. This is not just time to, to see our friends. We keep, we keep coming, oh, no, so what is it? Well, you've heard me say many times, we're celebrating the sacrifice of Calvary. We enter into the very mystery, the presence of Jesus in his cross on Calvary. And this is symbolically represented in the mass. And it's symbolically represented at the moment of the consecration of the precious blood. Why? Because until then, okay, so we consecrated the, the bread, it's now the body of Christ. But until we consecrate the blood, and those two exist separately, we don't have the crucifixion, we don't have death. But death is symbolically represented on the altar in that moment of the consecration of the precious blood because only when his blood and his body were separate on the cross 
is the sacrifice complete? So there's, there's kind of, if you wanted to point to a moment that's like the moment of moments in the mass, that's the moment, all right? Now, where do we represent the resurrection? Because every single mass actually says, as we come together to celebrate the memorial of the passion and death, the resurrection and the ascension, all three of these mysteries are represented and is what we're celebrating in mass. We see these images all over the place, by the way. If you look above me, you see the crucifixion. And I think right here is the resurrection. And then I think right there is, the, or maybe that's the resurrection. Maybe that's the ascension. Okay, so we see them all over the place. The altar, the, 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 uh, the chalice that I use in the altar has three little images on the bottom of the chalice, the base of the chalice. Again, uh, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. And those are all, because that's part of, that's part of the mass. Well, where is the resurrection symbolically uh, shown to us? Well, it's a little bit more subtle. So I think that the, the reading today, the gospel reading, can give us a hint, though. This is the first day of the week. It's Resurrection Sunday. The apostles have just seen glimpses of Jesus. They've heard him passing by. They've heard he's, he's alive, but they don't know where he is yet. They're gathered together. They're, they're freaking out. They're telling stories. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. I imagine that there is not a silence that was more silent than that silence at that moment, right? There he is. And what does he say? Peace be with you. And he shows them his hands, the wounds in his hands. Peace be with you. What did the apostles do at that moment? Well, I can tell you what they didn't do. They didn't turn to their neighbor and say, and peace be with you, and peace be with you, and peace be with you, and peace be with you. That's not what they did. They stayed in that stunned silence, looking at his hands and receiving from him all the mercy that he was bestowing upon them. I say that because that's the moment in the mass where we symbolically represent the resurrection. The priest has just consecrated the Eucharist, just finished the Our Father, just brought everything to completion. He turns to the people, peace be with you. And that's our moment to receive the peace that flows through the wounds of Jesus. And peace is really just another word for mercy. Which is why the very next prayer we pray is, Lamb of God, have mercy, have mercy, grant peace. Have mercy. Actually, early in the early church, the Eucharist itself was often called peace. That's the peace of Christ. So if here we are about to receive the peace of Christ that's flowing from the altar, why am I turning to my neighbor to say good morning? Didn't I already do that? Didn't I drive into Mass with these people? Didn't I see these people in the lobby? Aren't I going to have donuts with them in a few moments? There's many other times to share fellowship with our neighbor, and very few times to receive mercy from Christ. And so there we see, symbolically represented in the Mass, the resurrection. And actually, it keeps going. So right after that, I turn back to the chalice, I take the host, I break the host in half, I take a little fragment of the host and I place it in the, in the chalice. So once again, what was separated now has come back together. The body and the blood are now existing together. Symbolically, we have the resurrection. In fact, in the old mass, this was, this was much more clear. 
is the priest would do these two things simultaneously. He'd take the little fragment of the host and he'd make three signs of the cross over the chalice while saying, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And then he'd drop it in there. So these two realities kind of colliding together. In fact, this, this fermentum, right, this commingling of, of, the, of the body and the blood, right, goes way back as some interesting antecedents that go way back into the early church in Rome. And so once, once the Christianity was legalized and you could move around more freely, the papal mass on Sunday was the, the high mass. You know, this is the main mass. If you could get there, you'd go there. But all the other priests, they would have masses out a little bit further in the city and, and for their people. And so one of the things that after the consecration of the papal mass, he would break, break the host up and he would give it to the deacons. The deacons would take it in some sort of sacred vessel and take it to the other churches and so then they'd come to, come to the priest's church and he'd take that little fragment of the host and place it in his own chalice as a sign of fraternity, communion, and peace with the Holy Father. That this was very much a, a symbolic reality that I'm in union, I'm in peace, I'm in harmony with the whole church. So you can imagine if the, if the deacon doesn't show up that day, you're like, oh shoot, what did I do? You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. But we, we, we showed it in this, in this very special way. The, the sign of peace has also had many different forms throughout the, the church. At some, at some points in the church, it was done at the beginning of the liturgy. I think especially when you had house services, right? We didn't have churches yet, so people would gather in homes. And Jesus had told his apostles, when you go out, enter a home and say, peace be to this home. And I think this would probably have been the most likely place. Hey, welcome, peace be with you and with your spirit. And then we gather for the breaking of the bread and the prayers. In other places, it developed to, to do the sign of peace right before the offertory. Because in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, if you have something against your brother, go and make peace with him before you bring your gift to the altar. And so right before, after the petitions, before the offertory, there would be a sign of peace. That's done in the Ambrosian rite to this day, which is a diocese in Milan. The placement where it is now is not that symbol, right? Because we're already, we've already brought our gifts to the altar. This is, this is too late. It's not symbolizing that reconciliation. It's representing the peace of Christ, the resurrected Lord. And in fact, how it would have been done, you know, in centuries before, before the, before the Vatican Council, was it was still in the same place, but it would only have been done at the, at the solemn high mass. And if there was enough clergy, extra clergy, to make it work, but the priest or the bishop would say, peace be with you to the deacon, who would pass that to the subdeacon, who would pass that piece to the other clergy in the sanctuary, who would pass it amongst, down, down through the ranks. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it to the, to the lay faithful. After the council, it was extended to the lay faithful, but that whole symbolism was lost. The symbolism that the priest or the bishop would kiss the altar where the sacred body and blood of our Lord was and then extend that piece that would be passed out amongst everybody else. It's like when the Easter candle comes in and it's just the one Easter candle held by the deacon and then the priest lights his candle from that candle and then the servers light their candle from there and then it gets passed through the church because I'm not passing my light, I'm passing the light of Christ. I'm not passing my peace, we're passing the peace of Christ. 
I've actually seen this done in uh, monasteries before where the, the priest will give peace to one server, give to another server. He'll go down the row and just give it to the one person on the edge. They'll pass it down the row. It's actually a very peaceful and beautiful moment symbolizing this peace that's supposed to flow out into our whole community. It's not usually done this way, and for this reason, I haven't found it opportune to add it back into the, into the liturgy. We kind of stopped doing it back in, in COVID. Um, and I know some people miss it, and some people don't miss it at all. And, you know, what I would say, what I would say to that, because I think there is, right? There's, there's a good in greeting my neighbor. There's a good in being in, in communion and being in fellowship with, with the people that I worship with. But just like in the early church, we can't put everything into the liturgy. The liturgy is to sharpen us, to hone us, to make us more into Christ, not make us more into human beings. Even though by being made into Christ, we'll be better human beings. But we're not trying to humanize the liturgy. We're trying to be divinized by it. So if I have this desire, this desire to be in communion, to be in fellowship, to shake hands with somebody next to me, well, let's take that desire and make it even more powerful, make it more strong. Because actually it's a little bit superficial sign of, a superficial sign of peace to shake hands with somebody. Like I can shake hands with anybody. I can shake hands with people that I'm not at peace with. I can shake hands with perfect strangers. But what I can't do, it's very difficult to do, is to break bread with them. To have them over to my house for dinner. To share a meal with somebody. That's a real sign of fellowship. That's a real sign of communion. That's a real sign of peace. And I want to actually challenge you and encourage you in this Easter season to do just that. Let's invite somebody in our community over. Let's get to know somebody. Somebody maybe you've been sitting next to for years here at Mass. Maybe somebody you pass as you're walking into church. Maybe somebody who sits at the table next to you at donuts. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood that you, you see and you wave to across the, across the, the street. Maybe, maybe it's somebody from, from your school, somebody you work with, but invite them into your home. This is the way in which we pass the peace of Christ. We pass the light of Christ into our community, into our, our uh, pass it beyond our, our family and, in, and our friends and into our, our, whole, our whole world. This is what Jesus asks us to do, to be his light, to be his peace. I don't think it's accidental that the very last words that we, receive, we hear at Mass are, Go in peace. It's a command. It's a command to take the peace that we've received here from the altar and to bring it to the world. So at that moment when I turn, symbolizing the resurrection, peace be with you, instead of being so quick to try to find somebody to say hello to, let's just stay fixed as the apostles were on Christ. Let's receive all the peace, all the mercy that he wants to give us so that he can transform us, so that he can divinize us, so that I can be, once I leave this place, an agent of peace, an agent of mercy. So when we hear those words at the very end of Mass, let us indeed go forth in peace.